Welcome to the Master of None podcast, adventures in a hands-on life. Build, grow, cook, train, explore. If you listened to last week's episode, you probably recall that we were working on mounting a brand new rifle scope to a rifle. And we talked about a bunch of different aspects of scopes and parts of scopes and types of scopes and what to look for if you're buying a scope for your hunting rifle, some pros and cons of different types of scopes and sights and all of that stuff. But we never actually got around to the nuts and bolts of mounting the scope to the rifle, which is what we're actually here to do. And it's extremely important that you do it right, because there is a right way, and I'm going to go ahead and say that all of the other ways are just wrong. So, there's kind of one right way to do it. If you didn't listen to last week's episode yet that episode would give you some really good background for the things we're going to be talking about in this episode. So if you want to go back and listen to it, great. If you don't care, I don't really care either. You can keep listening. That's totally fine. We're going to kind of jump into how to actually mount the scope to the rifle. So um, actually, we're not. One thing that we didn't cover yet in last week's episode that I do want to cover in this episode is basics of ballistics. It's going to be a very, very, very basic lesson in ballistics. Trust me, it's a lot more complex than this. But some basics that you need to understand that are going to help you when you're mounting your rifle scope to your rifle and then sighting that rifle in. So um, when I say ballistics, I'm talking about the science of projectiles in flight, not aircraft in flight. That's a totally different realm of physics, not propelled rockets in flight. We're talking about projectiles that get fired, boom, and then they're flying through the air. That's ballistics. So this is not going to be a long-range shooting episode. Um, Long-range shooting gets really complex with lots of variables. Uh, You end up accounting for the spin of the earth And the way that you account for the spin of the earth has to do with the direction that you're shooting, whether you're shooting north to south or east to west. And there's actually a sinusoidal relationship between the orientation on the earth between you and your target and how that affects it. And your, um, your latitude, believe it or not, the, the spin of the earth affects your shot more if you're at the equator than it does if you're at the pole. Anyway, um, maybe we'll do another episode on some of those, on some of that, so those complexities of true long range shooting, but not this time. What you, what you do need to understand when it comes to ballistics this time is that when you fire a gun, the bullet starts falling as soon as it leaves the muzzle of the gun and it falls at the same speed, accelerating toward the center of the earth at 9.8 meters per second squared, same speed as everything else. So, um, your bullet ends up traveling in an arc because it's, it's falling. Now, 
Now, let's say that you shoot totally level, that, that the bullet actually leaves the gun flying perfectly horizontally. That's going to start to fall immediately. Now, if, you, if your gun's angled up a little bit, then it creates that arc, but it's still it's still falling. It's still accelerating toward the earth, so it's going to create that arc shape. Um, your scope, on the other hand, is looking, because it's an optical device, it's looking in a perfectly straight line. The trick with mounting a scope and zeroing a rifle is that the bullet is going to intersect the crosshair of your scope at a specific point. You want that point where it intersects, where those two lines, I shouldn't say two lines, where the arc of your bullet and the perfectly straight optical line of your scope looking through those crosshairs, you want those to intersect at a range where you know where that range is. Oftentimes that's 100 yards. It's kind of a standard range to, quote, zero your rifle at. So if you're thinking in three dimensions, your your bullet is traveling away from you, your scope is looking away from you, your bullet's traveling up and then down in that arc, your scope is looking straight through that arc, and the point where those two intersect is 100 yards away from you. That's the, the basics of ballistics that I wanted to cover. Now, as, as the bullet continues past 100 yards, barring any influence of the wind to push the bullet side to side, that bullet is basically going to fall along that vertical crosshair inside your scope. And that's where those those additional aiming points come into play. So you might have another one below your crosshair that's at 200, 300, 400, 500, so that you know that at as that bullet's traveling away from you at 200 yards, it's still falling along that vertical crosshair and it intersects that 200 yard mark and then that 300 yard mark. So if your target's 200 yards away, you hold dead on that 200 yard mark. If your target's 300 yards away, you use that 300 yard mark and so on. We're going to move away from that ballistics and shooting aspect of things for now. Um, I think I do want to do a whole episode just on properly sighting in the rifle. And then once the rifle's sighted in, there's another process called doping the rifle, which gets us a lot more precise on, on shooting out to those longer ranges. We'll do a whole episode on that, so I'm not going to cover any more of that now. We're going to go ahead and move on. So I had a friend, have a friend, who is going to remain unnamed on this podcast, who showed up to hunt one time with me with a new rifle, that he had just recently bought and had a scope on that rifle that he had had professionally mounted by supposedly a licensed gunsmith. I take a look at this rifle and something just looks funny about it. And I take a closer look and I realize that the scope rings, that's the hardware that actually goes around the scope and clamps the scope in place and bolts down to the rifle. So the actual pieces that connect the scope to the rifle, I realize that they, they look like they're loose on the scope. And, and then I take a closer look and I realize that the scope's not actually going straight through the rings. It's going through the rings at an angle. And then I take a closer look and I realize that the rings are actually two different heights. So it would actually be impossible to align the scope through those rings. On top of that, 
I look at it and instead of most scopes that I've ever used, I would say every single scope that I've ever actually used has the elevation and windage knobs on the top and right side of the scope. Well, this scope appeared to have the ring, the elevation turrets, I'm sorry, elevation and windage turrets on the top and left side of the scope. I thought that's odd. That's the first scope I've seen that's made like that. Is it like some weird, like a left-handed scope? And this doesn't even really make sense. And I take a closer look and realize that the scope had also been mounted, just twisted 90 degrees. So it put the the right-hand turret on top and the top turret over onto the left. Um, Needless to say, you look through the scope and it's because the the rear ring was so much higher that the scope's like pointed down at a visible angle, like straight down into the barrel. So the barrel's actually blocking the view of the scope. Now, um, if whoever mounted this was actually a licensed gunsmith, they should have their license revoked because that's absurd. Um, there, there is no way to go through a proper scope mounting process and have it come out that badly. There's just no way. So that said, there's a right way to mount scopes and every other way is just incorrect. Um, same thing goes for a lot of things in life, like electrical wiring. There's a right way to do it and doing it other ways, although you may get away with it for a while is incorrect. So same thing goes for scopes. You may get away with some of those shortcuts or you may get away with not being aware of the correct way to mount a scope for a while. That doesn't mean that there's not still a right way to do it. So we're going to run through the steps of how to actually mount that new scope to your rifle. Um, Before we do that, though, um, let's talk real quick about hardware and tools. Uh, Basically, what you're going to need, let me pull up my list here. Basically, what you're going to need is a rifle, a scope, and you're going to choose a rifle and scope combination that makes sense. The design of the scope should match the function of the rifle. We covered that in detail on the last episode, so if you want some more recommendations on kind of how to match the specs of a scope to the intended function of a rifle, go listen to that episode. Um, and then you're going to need scope rings. Now these are This is the actual hardware that attaches to the scope and to the rifle. Is that in-between part. So I would say choose quality scope rings. Don't go cheap on your scope rings. And there are uh, four things to consider when you're choosing scope rings. Some of these are choices. Some are just the way they are, just specs, specifications. So um, first thing, before I talk about those four things, when you purchase scope rings, they're usually... Um, most scope rings come in two halves. You have like a top half and a bottom half, and they're going to come in the package attached with little screws holding them together. Keep them together and actually take like a, a marker of some sort and put a mark on each one, um, so that you can like maybe do one mark on one ring and two marks on the other ring so that you can and and put those marks like going across the the where the two halves of the ring meet um so that you can line them back up exactly the way that they came in the package here's why 
most quality scope rings are machined as one piece. They're actually machined as one ring. And then after they're machined with that precise machining process, then they're separated. Then they cut them apart into those two halves. And it's important that you keep the matched halves together. They may look exactly the same to you, but they don't look the same to each other. They know which half they're supposed to be paired up with. Now, on top of that, don't flip one of the halves around. Keep them the way that they came in the package because they're packaged the way that they were machined, and they're going to work better if you keep them in that orientation. You may be um, you may be talking to somebody in a sporting goods short store and they want to show you the scope rings or double check that the scope rings actually fit onto the rifle that you're buying or the scope that you're buying or something like that. That's great, but please either don't allow them to take those rings apart or be ready to go ahead and mark them before they take them apart or, or just keep them together somehow or be very, very careful to get them back together in the same orientation as they were in the package. It's very important. Most of us, when we first start using rifles, don't know this, so we don't pay any attention to it. And chances are we have four pieces and it looks like they can go together any which way. And they usually fit together just fine. So we make that mistake and the chances of randomly getting them all back exactly the way that they came is pretty slim. So put some marks on them, pay attention, make sure that you keep them in the same orientation as they were in the package. Okay, um, so four, four things that you need to be aware of when you're choosing your scope rings. Um, like I said, buy quality rings. This is usually one of those things where you get what you pay for. If you, if you find some scope rings that are really cheap, they're probably going to be low quality. And when it comes to the one thing that's holding your scope onto your rifle, that's the one thing that's allowing you to make a precise shot, it's worth the few extra dollars to buy good quality machine scope rings. So enough on that. Um, what do you actually need to consider? Mounting style. You're going to see several styles of mounts, and this has to do with how it mounts to the gun. It may say Weaver, Dovetail, Leopold. Um, you don't really get a choice here. You need to be aware of what style of scope rings your gun is set up for and simply match it to that style of, of scope ring. Um, if your gun is set up for Weevil, excuse me, for Weaver style rings, buy Weaver style rings. If your gun is set up for dovetail style scope rings, then buy dovetail style scope rings. That's all there is to it. Uh, diameter. The vast majority of scopes out there are either going to be a one inch or 30 millimeter diameter. Those are different. So figure out if your scope is one inch or 30 millimeter, and that's the diameter of the actual scope tube itself. We talked about the whole anatomy of the scope in the last episode, so if you need more information on what the parts of the scope are and what all that terminology means, that's all in that last episode. So you either have, chances are you either have a one inch scope or you have a 30 millimeter scope, which means you need either one inch rings for a one inch scope or 30 millimeter rings for a 30 millimeter scope. You don't get a choice there. It just has to match. Uh, height of the rings. Now here's where you do get a little bit of a choice. Um, and you may see rings that say like low height 
mid-height or tall height. Basically, my recommendation here, and you, you may also see rings that say like see-through that are like extra tall, so they hold your scope really high up above the rifle, and then if you kind of duck your head down, you can see underneath the scope, and and maybe you can still see the, the iron sights that the gun was originally equipped with, and so you think that that's going to allow you to effectively shoot with either the scope or the iron sights, and maybe... Um, in my experience, what usually ends up happening is that it makes both of them harder to use. So my recommendation there, stay away from the see-through scope rings that are really tall and, um, and choose to either just hunt with an optical sight, the scope, or iron sights. So um, in general, when you're choosing the height of your rings, though, my recommendation is get the lowest height that will allow the scope to be mounted without contacting any part of the rifle. Now, the two most common places where the scope is going to bump into the rifle, so you need to check both of these, are the barrel. That would be that objective, uh, the objective bell actually being low enough that it's hitting the barrel when you put the scope in the scope rings, in which case they need to be a little higher. Or, let, let me actually grab my rifle here. So I actually have the rifle here that we're mounting the scope to. Um, so the other place that sometimes people forget to check, because what a lot of people do, which isn't a bad thing to do, um, but what a lot of people do when they're getting ready to work on a rifle is they remove the sling of the rifle from the bottom if you have it equipped with a sling. And you're always going to check when you pick a gun up. Check to make sure it's unloaded. This one's unloaded. I like to do the push-pull, push-pull, which means I push the gun away from me, and I look into the chamber. I see that the chamber is clear. Pull the gun toward me. Look down into the magazine. I see that the magazine's clear, and then I do it again. Push, pull. That's just my little mantra for checking to make sure that a gun's empty is push-pull, push-pull, and seems to work. So... The other thing that a lot of people do, though, on a bolt-action rifle when they're getting ready to work on it, and I'm going to do it right now, is they remove the bolt. So, on this rifle, there's just a little bolt release. So, once you have the, the bolt open, you can push that bolt release with your thumb, and then you put slight backwards pressure on the trigger, and that actually moves a little catch out of the way so that you can slide the bolt all the way out of the back of the gun. I typically do this when I'm cleaning a gun because it allows me to look straight down the barrel from the breech so I can see into the chamber all the way down the barrel, make sure everything's clean, and then I have the bolt here in my hand. It actually allows me to do a better job cleaning the bolt when it's removed from the rifle also. And then if I need to do any further disassembly on the bolt to do any deep cleaning on it or anything like that, then I can. The thing is, I have that bolt sitting here. If I take the scope now and I put it in place to make sure that my scope rings are tall enough so that it doesn't touch any part of the gun, well, I'm not going to notice if the bolt handle is going to hit the scope. So when you're checking this, Hang on, let me reinstall the bolt. 
Okay, I reinstalled the bolt. So always check the fit of your scope, or I should say the height of your scope rings. Check it with the bolt installed. Bolt down, rest the scope where it's going to go in those rings, and and I'll, I'll reiterate this when we get to this stage of the installation process, because you do have to like temporarily install the bottom halves of the rings to check the check for appropriate ring height. So rest the scope in there and then open your bolt by rotating it all the way up. And when it's in that fully up position, you don't want to cheat on this. I've seen people cheat. They're like, oh yeah, I know that the bolt can hit, the bolt handle can hit the scope, but I just don't push it quite all the way up before I pull it back. No, no, no. Just, just go a little higher on your scope rings and, and do it right. So Rotate that bolt handle all the way up as high as it'll go and make sure that you have a visual gap. It can be a small gap. Make sure you have a visual gap between that bolt handle and the scope and then pull it straight back in that fully upwardly rotated position. Pull that bolt handle straight all the way back. Make sure that it clears all of those parts of the eye bell of the scope. Come forward, put it down. And at this point, after I've made sure this verifies that my scope rings are actually tall enough to use for mounting this scope to this rifle, there's not going to be any interference between the scope and the rifle. At this point, what I'll do, take the scope, set it down in a safe place. Now I'm going to remove that bolt and set it aside for the rest of my work on this rifle. So bolt aside, rifle here with no scope. No sling, no bolt, no scope rings, ready to work on. So um, that's how you choose the height of your scope rings. Like I said, in general, you can go with the, the lowest scope ring that still allows for no interference between the scope and the rifle. Now, most of the time um, with most modern bolt action rifles and most modern scopes, a mid-height scope ring is going to work just fine, but you still want to verify that you don't get any interference between any part of the scope and any part of the rifle as you're using them. Um, what else? Oh, oh, four things. I mentioned that there were four things to consider. Uh, the final thing, you do kind of get a choice on this, but uh, that's just something to be aware of is gloss versus matte finish on your scope. I mean, on your scope rings, because you can get, and in general, the vast majority of scope rings are black. The vast majority of scopes are black. So you kind of have two options. You can either go with a glossy finish or a matte finish. My recommendation is just match the rings to your scope. If you have a glossy finish scope, go with glossy finished rings. If you have a matte finish scope, go with matte finish rings. It'll just look better. So really the scope rings are the only hardware that you need in addition to the scope and the rifle. Tools. Let's talk tools for installation. If you have a gun vise available, absolutely use it. If you don't have a gun vise available, I would highly recommend getting one. Um, I have the Tipton gun vise. It works really well. It has all these uh padded spots and clamps and stuff and it just really holds the gun nicely and securely for working on the gun um, without any danger of marring or damaging any parts of the gun 
So I really like to use a gun vise, especially for mounting a scope, just because it holds everything in place, holds it level, holds it still, and and I can get the I can get the right torque that I need on all of the screws. Um, but I even use the gun vise for cleaning guns, just because it holds them in place and leaves both of my hands free to do what I need to do. So, um, like I said, I would highly recommend getting one. And if you have one available, absolutely use it for mounting your scope. Leaves both hands free to do what you need to do. Um, other tools. So most of the tools that you are going to need for mounting this would come in a scope mounting kit. If you're going to mount your own scope, go ahead and just get the scope mounting kit. Now, why would you mount your own scope? Well, think back to the story about the professional licensed gunsmith doing an absolutely absurd job of mounting a scope. Unless you have a gunsmith that you actually have reason to trust, this is a job you should just do on your own. Um, because a scope mounting job may actually look okay. They might, they might get all of those obvious things right, like having the front and rear scope rings actually match, having the size of the scope ring match the size of the scope, um, aligning the scope so that the so that the turrets are on the top and the right, not the top and the left. They might get all of that right, but there are some invisible things that you'll never be able to see that you'll never actually know if they're doing. So, like I said, if you have a gunsmith who's actually good and you have reason to trust them to do this, feel free to have them do it. Otherwise, it's definitely something that you can do on your own at home. So, what tools come in the scope mounting kit? Well, uh, it's probably going to have tools for both that one inch size and that 30 millimeter size. So go ahead and get a kit that has both. Then it doesn't matter what size scope you're mounting. You'll have the tools to do it. So it's going to have something called alignment bars. And these are all of the parts of this mounting kit are precision machined parts. These alignment bars are two steel bars and they are either one inch or 30 millimeter diameter. So your kit's going to come with both. And, um, they are cylinders and then they have cones at the end. So they come to a precise point that's machined to be at the center of those cylinders. So basically what you do with these is you, you clamp them into your scope rings pointed at each other, and you can see how closely those, those two scope rings are aligned based on the alignment of those two points on those machined metal bars. Um, your mounting kit is also going to come with two magnetic bubble levels. One's for the rifle, one's for the scope. Um, because it, it is important to have your scope leveled with the rifle. If it's not, then uh, there are all sorts of things that happen. But one, one of the things that happens is instead of that bullet, remember our talk about basic ballistics, instead of that bullet falling along the line of that vertical crosshair, well, if that crosshair isn't perfectly plumb, that bullet's going to fall vertically anyway. So it's going to fall off of the line of that crosshair to one side or the other. So that's why it's important to have that crosshair vertically, well, leveled with the gun. So that's why you have two little bubble levels in there. You stick one of them to the gun, one of them to the scope, get both of them level, and then you know that your scope is level. Um... I would also recommend getting some temporary Loctite or thread locking compound. 
use the temporary stuff, not the permanent stuff. If you use the permanent stuff, it's going to be a real pain to ever uninstall your scope. So use the temporary stuff. And basically the way that it works is it's possible to break that loose. Um, but it, it's locked in place until you break it loose. Then once you break it loose, you'd have to back that screw out, clean it up, apply more, uh, more of that thread lock compound and reinstall the screw. So, um, temporary Loctite is what I like. That's the blue stuff, not the red stuff. The red stuff is the permanent Loctite. Don't use that on your scopes. Use the blue stuff. Your scope mounting kit is also probably going to come, should come with an adjustable torque wrench. Uh, let me get that out. Hang on. I'm actually going to open up my scope mounting kit. So give me just a moment. Okay, so I opened up my scope mounting kit just so I can tell you everything that's in there. Uh, this is a, a Wheeler Engineering scope mounting kit. Um, they seem to make a good kit. It's worked out great for me. So the adjustable torque wrench that comes with the scope mounting kit is basically a like a big fatty rubber screwdriver handle, but it has this adjustable scale in inch pounds. That's adjustable from 10 to 65. And then on the back, I can, I can actually rotate this handle on the back to move the dial on that adjustable gauge. And that tells me the inch pounds that the torque wrench is actually set to. So the reason this is important is, um, scope rings are going to come with a recommended inch pounds of torque for installation. And that's actually the torque that you put on the screws that attach the rings to the rifle. Now the scope is going to come with a recommended inch pounds of torque also. Now that's the inch pounds of torque that you put on the screws that attach the top ring to the bottom ring. So, um, you can, you can guess, which is what most people do. And they're like, Oh my, I don't know. My forearms about, 18 inches long, I don't know, 16 inches long. So if I feel like I'm putting however many pounds of torque into my elbow, that's going to transfer to however many inch pounds by the time it gets down to my wrist and my screwdriver, right? Well, sorry, no, you're just not that precise. So the way that this torque wrench works is you put your driver bit in there that matches the, the screws that you're installing on these scope rings you set this little gauge here to the precise inch pounds of torque anywhere from 10 to 65 that you want to, to achieve on those screws. And then you twist basically until you feel it break loose and it just goes pop. And that means that when you hear that pop, that it's tightened that screw to precisely that torque that you set the torque wrench to. So, um, not only is this going to prevent you from over torquing or under torquing all of those screws, but it's going to put equal torque on all of those screws, which is also important for mounting your scope. Okay, let me set this one down. Okay, your uh, scope mounting kit is also going to come with something called lapping bars, and these are steel bars that are machined very precisely. Um, these are actually what you're going to use for, and you're going to have a, a one-inch bar and a 30-millimeter bar, same size as your scope. And you're actually going to use these for polishing or lapping the insides of those scope rings. 
Um, it's going to come with lapping compound. That's just basically a polishing compound that you put on that lapping bar. And that's what it uses to polish the insides of those scope rings. Um, now the reason I should jump ahead. The reason that we are lapping those scope rings is because no matter how precisely all of this stuff gets machined and installed, remember we're machining those scope rings and then they're getting mounted to some sort of mounting system that's mounted to the rifle. And with there are just so many little little spaces for air to occur that by the time we actually get those two rings installed, there is just no way that they are perfectly, perfectly aligned with each other. Now, why do we need them perfectly aligned? Well, if they're not, if they're just a fraction of a degree out of alignment with each other, then what happens is one of two things. Either we're only holding the scope with the edge of that scope ring where it's actually making contact along the edge. And think about if, if I handed you a broom handle and told you to hold on to it, you're going to want to grab the whole thing with your fist. You're not just going to poke it with your fingernail, right? You want as much contact area there as you can have. So you want your scope rings to be doing the same thing. By having more contact area, they're going to hold the scope in place better than if they're just, you know, poking it with the fingernail on the broom handle, just holding it by that very edge of the scope ring. So that that's one possibility. Now, the other thing that could happen is if we tighten down those screws on those scope rings and we get that that full contact between the insides of the rings and the scope and they're just a fraction of a degree out of alignment, well, they're actually, in that case, they're actually bending that scope tube to bring the scope tube into alignment with the rings. That's not what we want to do. We want that scope tube sitting there undisturbed. Remember, that's our sight. We don't want to twist that. We don't want to bend that. Um, so we want to bring those rings into alignment with the scope, not the scope into alignment with the rings. Best case, it bends the scope tube temporarily a little bit, which could really throw off our sights um, and cause us to cause us to miss or at, at the very least affect our accuracy. Um worst case, it actually damages the scope tube, actually puts a permanent bend in the scope tube. So that's why we want to bring those rings into perfect alignment with that scope tube. And we do that by using that pre precisely machined bar. And we're going to move it back and forth and rotate it side to side inside those two scope rings to polish those into alignment. So, um... That's the basics of what's going to come in your scope mounting kit. So we already kind of talked about dry fitting everything. Um, remember, just to reiterate, put marks on those scope rings, keep them paired together, and keep them in the same orientation. So don't switch them around, don't twist them around, because they were machined as one piece and then separated. So they're intended to go in that same orientation. Um, remember, what we're going to do, we're going to dry, or we're going to, loosely install the bottom rings. So we have those marks so that we can get them back paired back up, 
but the bottom halves of the rings, we're just going to install those on the rifle. Go ahead and hand tighten those screws. They don't need to be tight. And you're going to rest the scope in those bottom rings. And this is when we check for contact. And we went through that whole process of checking for contact between any part of the scope and the rifle, including the bolt handle, especially the bolt handle. And then if we decide that we need to get taller or shorter rings, we can uninstall those rings, package them back up, keep them for later, return them if that's allowed, and get taller or shorter scope rings. Um, next thing we're going to do is check the alignment. So here's where we use those alignment bars just for checking the initial alignment. And some of this is stuff that I could that I can tell you how to do. Uh, when it comes to troubleshooting on scope mounting, that's more something that I would actually have to be there with you to take a look at. But take those alignment bars and go ahead and install, um, just uh, basically hand tighten the both the bottom rings and the tops of the rings now with those bars held in place by those top rings. Hand tighten them and check for alignment. They should be fairly close. Now with some types of rings, you may be able to align them manually at this point a little better and use those alignment bars as kind of your handle, especially like if it's a dovetail mount, use the alignment bar as a handle to twist those dovetail mounts into place so that your scope rings are as close as you can get them. Never use your scope as a handle to torque those, those scope rings into place. That's a good way to damage your scope. Um, what's next? So if they're, if they're not aligned and we can't get them even close to being aligned and we can't adjust them, we either have faulty rings or faulty, uh, scope mounts actually on the rifle. Again, that's something that you'd have to troubleshoot, uh, either in person or, or with your gunsmith. Um, so assuming that they're fairly close on the alignment, that those two points of the alignment bars are pretty close to each other, we can proceed with the next step. What we're going to do is permanently mount the bottom rings. So the bottom halves of those rings, we're going to permanently mount those to the gun. And then that part's going to be done. So we're going to use that thread lock and we're going to use our torque wrench and we're going to torque those screws that attach the ring to the gun. We're going to torque those to the specs that came on the scope ring specifications. So it'll give you a certain inch pounds, set your torque wrench to that, torque them to that torque and, and use that thread lock, use that uh, temporary thread lock and leave them there. That's all there is to that. The next thing that we're going to do, uh, because we already uh, dry fit the top rings and checked the alignment, decided that they were close enough. Next thing that we're going to do is apply some of that lapping compound to the insides of both the top and the bottom rings. Okay. Then we're going to install the top rings, tighten them down just like finger tight. And uh, I'm sorry, actually what we're going to do, install the bottom rings, put that lapping compound in there. Then we're going to rest the lapping bar in those bottom rings. Remember the gun sitting in our gun vise here. So we just rest that lapping bar in those bottom rings. Next thing that we do is take the top rings install them paired with the appropriate bottom ring in the correct orientation and tighten those screws down, not fully tight. We want to be able to easily move that lapping bar, but we want to, you don't want it to move on its own. Like if you tipped the rifle up, it needs to be tight enough that you need to put a little bit of force to it, but not much. Um, 
Another another important thing as as you're installing those top rings, you really want an even gap. There's going to be a little gap between the top and bottom ring on either side where the screws go through. You want even gaps from side to side on those. Um, now you could eyeball it. Uh, you could actually measure it. The best way to to do it is to actually use a set of feeler gauges um, where you can see which gauge you can you can slide into that gap and then oh we go to the next one oh it's too tight we go over to the other side and and you can more precisely match the gap on those two sides using a set of mechanics feeler gauges which are actually really cheap um so it's probably worth just getting a set of those um now start slow check it often but all we're going to do here is kind of oh and that lapping bar i should mention has a handle that threads into it so we're going to grab that handle we're going to rotate from side to side as we're sliding front and back. And that's going to start to polish the insides of those rings into alignment with each other. Now, as we go, it's naturally going to loosen a little bit because we're actually removing a microscopic amount of metal. So as we go, we're going to have to tighten those screws up a little and a little and a little. But we want to check it often also. And we check it by actually removing the screws, remove those top rings, remove the bar, and actually visually inspect the insides of those rings. What we're going for here um, is we're going to repeat this process until I'm going to say between two-thirds and three-quarters of the surface of the insides of those rings is polished. So what that tells you is that polished part is the part that's actually going to make contact with the scope um with the scope tube because we've polished those parts into alignment and again remember to keep your rings matched and in the same alignment when you're installing and un and uninstalling them now once we get to that point where we have two-thirds to three-quarters of the insides of those scope rings polished we're basically ready to install the scope so the first thing we're going to do is clean off all the residual lapping compound we're then going to rest the scope in those rings and um, and then reinstall the uh, the top rings. So just uh, just finger tighten them at this point. We're not we're not torquing them down yet. We need to get the scope positioned inside those two sets of rings. So there are really two things that we're after here. Um, level and where that scope rests front to back. We already talked about level and why that's important. But um, let's talk about eye relief because that has to do with how far forward or backward we slide that scope. Now, depending on where the mounts are on the rifle and the size and style of the rings and the size and style of the scope, you may have more or less play to work with as far as sliding that scope forward and backward. Now, when you're looking through a scope, if the scope is too far from your eyeball, you're going to see mostly black with kind of a bright spot floating out there, kind of hovering and bouncing around in that black spot. As you bring that scope to your closer and closer to your eye, at some point it's kind of going to snap into view and you're going to have a full crisp clear circle. That's basically your target window. Um, and it's going to have black around it, but you're going to be able to see clear edges of that entire circle. Basically what you're going for here is you want to have that scope as far as possible from your eye and still be able to see that full clear circle. Now, why do you want it 
as far as possible from your eye, it's because when the rifle recoils, you want to give that scope as much distance from your eye as possible so that it doesn't whack you in the face when the rifle recoils. However, you don't want it so far from your eye that you're not seeing that clear circle. So, like I said, what we're going for is get that scope as far forward as possible, still being able to see your full, clear picture. Um, now, the, the other thing to consider here is when you bring your rifle up to shoot, we want to have a natural, what's called cheek weld. And that's where your, your cheek presses against the butt of the rifle. If I sound funny, it's because I'm doing that with my hand right now, pressing on my face. I know you can't see me, but I am. Um, that's called your cheek weld, is where you press your cheek against the butt of the rifle. And you don't want to have to do face crawling. So if, you're, if your scope is too far forward and you bring your rifle up to your cheek, you tuck the, the buttstock into your shoulder, and you look through your scope, and you realize that you're not seeing that full, clear picture, then what people do, it's called cheek crawling or face crawling, and they like kind of crawl their face up along the, the butt of the rifle until they can see that whole clear picture through the scope. You don't want to do that. Um, you want to be able to snap that rifle into position, look straight through that scope, and have it naturally exactly where it needs to be without having to fidget and face crawl up the stock. The way that I do this is called the blind lift method. And so what I do is I uh, finger tighten down those top rings of the scope just tight enough that the scope can't slide on its own um, forward and backward. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to close my eye. I'm going to hold the rifle like down at waist level horizontally. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to visualize bringing the rifle up onto target. Then I'm going to, keeping my eyes closed, I'm going to actually bring the rifle up to my shoulder as though I'm bringing it onto target. So I'm bringing that, uh, the, the butt straight and tight into my shoulder, snugging that into my shoulder. <clears throat> Excuse me, getting my natural cheek weld against the stock and getting, and visualizing looking straight through that scope. Now, without moving anything, I'm going to open my eyes and look straight through the scope, hopefully. And this is something, even after you have your scope installed, this is a good thing to, to practice doing just so that you're more natural at bringing the, the rifle up to your eye, up to your shoulder and eye, and looking straight through your scope. It's, it's good practice. But for now, what we're doing is we're trying to move that scope so that the scope is already in position with where I naturally bring the, bring the rifle to. So I'm going to bring that rifle up without moving, open my eyes and see what I can see through the scope and say, okay, does it need to go a little further forward? Or do I need to pull it a little further back and make those micro adjustments until I get it perfectly aligned? Um, now once I get it there, I'm going to mark it. I'm going to take, uh, like a little, what are they called? A little chalk pen or something and, and put, a visible mark where I want the, the scope tube to align with either the front or back of, of whichever ring. It doesn't really matter where you mark it. Just put a little mark that you can come back to later to make sure that you're getting that same alignment. Um, and then after you do that, what I like to do is actually move it forward just to scotch and blind test it again and make sure that, um, if I, if I move it forward a tiny bit, even like a, an eighth of an inch, 
and I blind test it, I should be seeing not that full picture anymore, which tells me that I had it in just the right place. Then I'll move it back to where it needs to be, remark if needed. You can run through this several times. That's not a big deal. Um, but get that mark where you are confident that that scope is in the perfect position forward and backward. Next thing you're going to do is place it back in that gun vise and position the scope based on your mark forward and backward. Next, we're going to level the scope to the rifle. This is really easy. Your scope mounting kit comes with two magnetic levels. Now, the only tricky part here is making sure that you're sticking the... Uh, the bubble level that's intended for the rifle, sticking it to something on the rifle that's actually level. Um, most most rifles are going to have a, a flat machined place somewhere on the action that is intended to be level. So I would go with that. Um, yeah, so stick your, your little bubble level to that, level the rifle, then you're going to take your other one and what I like to do is actually just place it on top of the top turret of the rifle. That's your elevation turret. And the top of that turret should be level. Um, that's a, a good reference point. So, so that's going to be level with the way that the scope is intended to be level. And from there, you can match those two bubbles in the level. Make sure that they're both dead center, rifle first and then scope. And if you need to go back and forth a few times and fiddle with it to get them both perfectly aligned, that's fine too. Now, once you have everything perfectly aligned, you're going to double check everything. You're going to double check the marks that you made on your scope rings. Remember to keep them matched and aligned. You're going to double check that front to back mark that you made for your eye relief. You're going to double check your scope orientation. Just make sure you don't have it like flopped over 90 degrees to the left. And you're going to double check those um, those bubbles in both levels and make sure that they are both perfectly level. We're going to remove all of the screws that are attaching the um, the top scope ring to the bottom scope rings. Apply thread lock, reinstall, and we're going to torque them to the recommended torque on the scope specifications. So your scope might say torque to 20 inch pounds or something like that. Set that torque wrench to 20 inch pounds, use the appropriate driver bit and torque those down. Now, a lot of scope rings um, are going to come with like four screws. There will be like front, back, left, right on each scope ring. Uh, I like to do a star pattern on those. Um, so I'd go like front left to back right to front right to back left and and do that pattern and get them. I actually like to get them like finger tight first using that star pattern and uh, check that gap again on, from side to side. Make sure you have an even gap on, gap on the left and right with your feeler gauge. And once you have them like finger tight with that even gap, then we're going to tighten them down just a little more like wrist tight in that star pattern. And then we're going to go back around a little tighter, a little tighter, a little tighter till you start to get that pop on your torque wrench and that tells you that you've actually achieved that that 20 inch pounds or whatever your scope recommends that 20 inch pounds on those uh on those screws that's actually all there is to um to mounting your scope once you've gone through all of those um all of those steps i again like to double check everything so i'm again going to check my level 
and just make sure that my scope is still leveled with the rifle. I'm again going to do that, that blind lift test to make sure that my eye relief is good. If all of that's good, it's time to sight in the gun, which is what we're going to do on another episode. And if I'm being honest, when it's a little warmer outside, because it was like 24 below just yesterday, it's still below zero this morning, not a good time to sight in a rifle. Um, but don't get me wrong. I do like practicing shooting in adverse conditions, but you should always sight your rifles in, in ideal conditions. Sight them in when it's nice, when none of that's throwing you off, and then practice when it's not so nice outside. But that'll be for another episode, another time. Until then, shoot straight and pursue your mastercraft. Bye. Theme music for the Master of None podcast is Club Seamus by Kevin McLeod. Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. CreativeCommons.org. If you need some of your own original music, go check out Kevin's other work at his website, Incompetech.com. Incompetech.com.